0: This week on the Sportblocks. This week, Naomi Osaka says au revoir to Roland Garros. The Milwaukee Bucks advance, injuries are plenty and even more dickhead fans in the NBA. Yeah. A cracking weekend at the Wheelchair Rugby Championships and dream time at the P.
1: Lots of basketball as always, Stewie, let's go. So, Joey, it's about 6.30 on the 1st of June 2021. It is. A bit earlier than usual, and uh, the Wildcats game is currently on at the moment, but our, such is our commitment to the cause that we're recording now. The sport blokes do not sleep. Now, we raised the bat for 50, and the great cricketers will tell you that that's because we're obsessed with arbitrary round numbers as celebrations. But we're at 52, which is now a year uninterrupted. So, in some ways, this is a better... Milestone than a couple of episodes ago.
0: We'll raise the bat slightly.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. We've already blown our load on the title Divine Intervention. So I've gone back and looked at 33. We had Divine Intervention, D-E-V-I-N-E. Sophie Divine had a 108 off 38 in the Super Smash. And then less than 10 episodes later, we had it on 42, Divine Intervention, because of Sister Jean, the uh, 101-year-old nun. And the number one supporter of Loyola Chicago in the NCAA.
0: It's a good title. It's worth two.
1: And there will be more dick joke titles as well, of course. But as we do at the top every week, what caught your attention? And what did you miss?
0: Well, a couple of things caught my attention this week. The first one has to be the craziest penalty shootout I've seen from the Europa League final between Man United and Villarreal. So Gerard Moreno put Villarreal ahead on 29 minutes and Edinson Cavani equalised in the 55th minute. No one else scored until the penalty shootout, basically went 1-1 at the end of 120 minutes. And then we saw the longest penalty shootout in any UEFA final. All 20 of the field players converted theirs. Oh, wow. So so I'm sitting at 10-all, which leaves us with the goalkeepers. Now, Geronimo Brulli stepped up and slaughtered his home. What a name. I know, right? And then David De Gea of Man United basically had his saved. And that was the match. Wow. So very, very unusual for a game to be decided by a save on the goalie by a goalie. So they
1: have to save one and then go and have a kick.
0: Yeah, which is exactly what he did. Oh. Geronimo! Mo-
1: most soccer enthusiasts hate the shootout, don't they? For the casual fan, it does provide an interesting drama. But... Yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's tough because some of these games could go for hours. Mm. And the longer it goes, the more defensive teams get. But, yeah, I must admit, it's a really cruel way and and... It's not a nice way to lose a game. and certainly not a way I like to, to see them decided.
1: Still better than Super over.
0: Yes, this is this is very, very true. <laughs> but, but and yeah, I mean, you feel for David De Gea. That's a, it's a tough way to go. Yeah, that
1: is, that is a tough way to go.
0: This is actually the first major trophy Villarreal has won, though. They, they haven't even won the La Liga. So I thought that was oh, pretty cool. that's a great story. Yeah, yeah. And, and it actually sends them into next season's Champions League, too. So for a team that's sitting seventh in the Spanish League at the moment, it's a pretty cool thing. Very poor form though to hear that Marcus Rashford and Man United had at least 70 racial slurs on his social media accounts. Wow. Get this. Apparently a freaking maths teacher sent him a mountain of monkey emoji. Christ, it's not 1920. No, that's right. I was just about
1: to say we're in 2021 here, guys. Yeah.
0: And look, we've said it before, we'll say it again. Yes, shame on you, Marcus Rashford, for going out there and intentionally losing. Yeah, I know. Mate, what the fuck? Uh, is there one of these there
1: will be a theme of fans being douchebags this episode.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, the other thing just quickly that caught my attention was the National Wheelchair Rugby Championships over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Okay. Really, really fun to watch. West Coast Enforcers did brilliantly. They won all their pool games. They beat South Australia in the, the finals. I think it was the semi-finals at least. It was really tricky, though, to get information. There were no stats available online. You had to sometimes sit through six hours' worth of stuff to try and find the games that you were wanting. The website was terrible. <laughs> but the one thing I really did love about this, it's a male and female inclusive sport. That's so very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So Robin Lambert Walton is probably one of our two best players. She's superb. I believe she's actually part of the athletics for the Paralympics team. So she has incredible speed. Oh, yeah, okay. She would yeah. just get the ball and go flying past everyone. But yeah, really, really great game to watch. And, you know, something I'll probably look to watch a bit more in the future.
1: Very nice. Very nice. How about yourself, mate? But there's this a crazy story about a Mexican wrestler who threw a five-year-old during a yeah I've in-person seen, uh, street I've wrestling seen the footage. match. He yeah.
0: Basically, he got beat, and in his frustration, this five-year-olds come up and tried to sort of like pat him on the on the shoulder as probably just consolation, so, yeah, like sorry, yeah. And the guys just grabbed him by the, the arm. And a lot of people laugh, thinking, oh, it's part of the show. Yeah. And he's then throwing this kid probably a good three or four metres. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, it wasn't the
1: best footage I've seen. No. And then I also saw a Tina Turner impersonator set off a fire alarm at the Queensland State of Origin Welcome Day for fans. <laughs> what? <laughs> so that probably didn't turn out to be the best fan experience in the end. Their day was shortened.
0: No. Pretty crazy that they've moved that to final of Queensland.
1: Well, that's, yeah, COVID has wreaking havoc in Australia at the moment with schedules all over the place in, in all sorts of sports so we will get there as well but it's nice to
0: see those games not just being played you know necessarily in say Brisbane and Sydney and, and the like so
1: it's going up to Townsville actually yeah, yeah. so that's, yeah. that's great it's great yeah. for
0: finals Queensland to get that sort of going what did you miss mate well, I think I did your trick this week, mate. I missed most of the footy in favour of watching a decent amount of basketball because, as you always say, the playoffs are here. They're more more exciting, I guess, than Absolutely, the, me too. the mid-season stuff. And yep. I, I dare say the basketball was a lot more entertaining than the football this week yes, as well.
1: Yeah, lots of storylines. Yeah, it, for the footy, it, it seems a lot went to, to script, I think, in the footy. It did. But we will get there. Yeah.
0: How about yourself? What did you miss?
1: Well, oh, can I say the Wildcats right now as we speak? No. We'll keep an eye on things. There will be spoilers for this game, but uh, obviously we'll both go back and watch it after the fact. But that's an interesting one too. I don't know if we actually want to win that one,
0: but we'll get there. Yeah, we probably want Illawarra to stay in third place if possible, but we shall see.
1: Now, we'll start with the big news in the French Open, Stewie. There's already been some major upsets, but the biggest news of all is, of course, Naomi Osaka withdrawing on mental health grounds.
0: Yeah, this is probably the biggest story in sport in the world right now. Yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah.
1: Apart from Tina Turner impersonators, yeah. But Sorry, look, I shouldn't make light.
0: But look, in all seriousness, yeah, there were a lot of stories coming out over the past few days. Naomi Osaka would not be doing any sort of uh, any sort of media or press conference at the French Open. She sort of talked about how it puts a lot of pressure on the player's mental health and puts their mental health at risk. And, mm. We didn't, I think, really comprehend how serious this was until the last 24 hours when she's officially pulled the pin. After a win. After winning. And I think that's the key point. That
1: is the key. Yep, absolutely it's the key. It's not like she was down 5-0 and withdrew from a match that she was losing. It's, it's a big deal when you actually win a match. You're one of the favourites. You're one of the best players in the world. Clearly it's, it's, it's a huge deal for her.
0: And I think what's made this also very interesting is the fact that there were so many people that jumped down her throat on social media straight away. As, as, soon, they as, do. as soon as she started, you know, all of the different tweets you know, come in saying, this is part of the job, this is an obligation, you knew what you were signing up for, blah, bloody, blah. Yeah. Yep. And I guess the other thing to put into perspective just how big a deal this is, Naomi Osaka wins this tournament and Ash Barty doesn't make the semi-finals. Osaka goes back to number one in the world. Oh, yeah,
1: exactly. The stakes are huge. Now,
0: I know that, you know, she would probably look at that and go, eh, doesn't really matter. It's For me, it's about playing good tennis. It's about winning tournaments and being the best that I can be. But you have to feel like being number one in the world's. Oh, of course. Not, it's
1: not. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: But look, we'll very, very quickly run through what's happened. I mean, it's been a, a pretty interesting first couple of days in the tournament. We've... Already got Naomi Osaka's second-round opponent into the third round before (laughs) half of the field have even played the first round. And there've already been some casualties, as there always are in these tournaments. The four-seed Dominic Thiem lost in the first round, which is nuts. Gregor Jimitrov, the 16-seed, gone, in the women's side, you've got the 6-seed Bianca Andreescu, the 12-seed Garbine Muguruza, and the 16-seed Kiki Burton's gone.
1: Jesus, with big names.
0: There, there are. It's, it's absolutely nuts. And it looked like Andreescu and Osaka were going to play in the quarterfinals. So to be robbed of not one but both of them is, you know, it's it's, it's horrible. It's that's such a shame. But at the same time, they've got to play the matches.
1: Yep. And, Amen. And hey, it opens the door for someone else to step in and who knows, maybe we'll have another first-time winner. Exactly. It's a long way to go, though.
0: And, and speaking of that, you know, other players potentially winning, the draw didn't really favour the legends particularly well. We saw in one half of the draw in the men's, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer all on that side. Yeah, right. So this does potentially open the door for us: the Sitsa pass, or a Rublev or a Medvedev or, again, one of these guys that are the up-and-comers. So... We will certainly see Serena Williams on the women's sides in the same quarter as the likes of Petra Kavitova, Victoria Azarenka, Arena Sabalenka. We could get Ash Barty versus Alina Svitolina. Sofia Kanin could play Iga Swiatek in a rematch of last year's finals in the in the quarters. So this is going to be a really crazy first week, and I, I dare say it could be just as exciting as the second week.
1: Mm. So we were very light on the NBL last week, Stewie. We thought we'd maybe uh, kick it off this week with a little bit more.
0: We'll blame the NBA for that. Yeah,
1: oh, look, the first round with extra playing games too. It was just so much to get through. And the playoffs always are going to be our priority, as we said. Now we'll have an interview with Alex Louton coming up again soon, which is something to look forward to, but uh, hopefully in the next few weeks. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Sydney at Perth?
0: Yeah, I think we have to.
1: It was a very entertaining game, just as much for the off-court stuff with the coaches strolling the sidelines as it was for the on-court stuff, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, very, very quick whistle in this one. I think probably the quickest technical foul I've seen Trevor Gleason get. He he does skirt the line. Oh, in big time. (laughs) Pretty much every game. Yep. But he does it with good reason. And look, Adam Ford, his understudy from the previous how many years was probably very similar on the Sydney side of things. I've
1: got an interesting theory on that, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, you want to go there now? Go for it, yeah. Well, Adam Ford, he, I like watching him on the sidelines and I love seeing him in the huddle. And he's very he gives a good interview too. He's very honest. Have you heard that Gleason's being headhunted overseas? I did hear that, yeah. Adam Ford has mutually agreed to part ways with the Kings at the end of the oh, season. Do you
0: think he knows something that we Well, have okay. I don't
1: know. Could we see Adam Ford being a Wildcats coach next season and true of Jets sitting internationally potentially?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he wouldn't be a bad replacement. Yeah, though.
1: just you just wonder if the stars will aligned there a little bit. Potentially. Potentially. That's, that's good. That's, I like that. But Perth had a big win without Bryce Cotton, obviously, potentially out for at least the regular season, if not the season completely.
0: Yeah, I mean... They put up a good effort, though. They did. The, the quick rundown in terms of, I guess, how this game was won, 19 points, 10 boards for John Mooney, his 22nd double-double in the season. Luke Travers, 16 points, 8 wards, 2 steals, all career highs.
1: Oh, Travers has looked so good since he was moved back to the bench, hasn't he? Yeah. And I remember Lockie Reid last season was talking about NBA buzz, and I just scoffed at it. And, of course, Greg Hire tweeted during the game, which the commentators talked about, that Travers had more NBA potential than uh, Mojave King and Josh Kitty, which is maybe a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But, hey, the way Travers has played in the last little while, he is still very, very young, Maybe he can. I don't know. Maybe.
0: Then we've also got to give some love to Todd Blanchfield, 23 points in this one. But I think the big story in this game really has to be how disappointing this was for Sydney for a number of reasons. And for me watching the game, I actually felt disappointed for them because of how poorly they played. It's a must-win game for Sydney as far as making the playoffs. It's a team that you should want to beat more because of what happened in last year's grand final. Yes, and Perth are a team that have owned Sydney. I think they said ten out of the last eleven games they've they've won in the last couple of years. It might be eleven out of twelve now. So to come out and shit the bed like that.
1: Yeah. Well, Casper Ware was very disappointing.
0: And that's the thing. To yeah. be more specific, Casper yeah. Ware. Yeah. None of eleven from the field. His first ever NBL game with no field goals. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You told me that before we hit record. I was amazed. Yeah. NBL. Well, I guess it's not that amazing because he's a bloody good player. Oh, but yeah. But yeah. One, of,
0: one of three from the from the free throw line as well. Like yeah. That's. That's just not good enough.
1: No, not at all. Not at all.
0: Like, he outscored Bryce Cotton by one point.
1: (laughs) Yes. And Bryce didn't play. So, like, I'm just saying,
0: for that to happen, it's just, it's it's so disappointing. It is
1: disappointing. And, look, they've had a lot of injuries. They've had a pretty interrupted season. And, like I say, they did put up a good fight. But, really, that one was there for the taking.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's got to be said though, Blanchfield and Norton. I reckon they're just about in career best form.
0: They are, and and it's so funny you say that because in my notes, one of the biggest things that I've that I've got is about Mitch Norton's defense.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And look, we were a little critical with him at the start of the season. We thought he started a little bit slow, but he's been absolutely superb.
0: Well, he's turned it on on the offensive end. I absolutely. That's yes. A big thing because yep. his defense is pretty much always going to be yep. first rate. Yeah. But one of the things that Trevor Gleason was saying after the game was, "This is why Norton needs to be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year." Absolutely, he does. Because he absolutely shut Ware down. I can think of maybe two shots that Ware had where he had maybe two feet of space. The rest of them were all contested over a player. It was it was superb.
1: I love what I saw from Norton. Really did. Yeah. And I, and I think it would give the Wildcats a lot of hope that even if they don't have Bryce in round one they could very easily still make the grand final very easily.
0: Yeah, it's possible.
1: I think Will Magne is, is, is the concern a little bit, still trying to work him into the rotation, although it seems we've kept an eye on tonight's game. It seems that he's maybe gone a little bit better tonight. But
0: but then I guess that takes us to the other game for Sydney over last weekend, which is their 100-98 double overtime win over Melbourne United.
1: Yeah, which means that first place is still potentially in play too.
0: Yeah, we thought 1-2 was absolutely sewn up. Yeah, yep. Th- this is such a head-scratcher, though, and it's what makes Sydney as a team a head-scratcher. You play so poorly against Perth, and then two nights later, you come out against a well-rested Melbourne United team, and you beat them. Granted,
1: it was at home for the Kings.
0: But they've still got But you're player right. Player. I mean, yeah, yeah. They've got a, a four-hour, five yep. five-hour flight, as yep. opposed to a little, probably two hours up from Melbourne to Sydney. Maybe not even, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just nuts. You know, they they ramped up the defense. The turnover count was 19 to 6 in Sydney's favor. So they were getting a lot of points, 23 points off Melbourne turnovers. I mean, they shot the ball hideously again. Casper Ware was five of 20, Sean Bruce was eight of twenty-four, but they were huge in crunch time. They made yep. big plays. And yep. I just I can't fathom how a team could play so poorly two nights earlier.
1: Well, they put themselves in the position where they had to win out from that point onwards. So they did that work. They beat Melbourne. Still not going to be easy. So, look, there are some games of little consequence on the run home, but nearly every game has implications. We've got Phoenix and the Bullets tomorrow. We've got the Hawks and Kings, Wildcats and United, which could end up deciding first. The Breakers and Phoenix, Kings and Bullets. Melbourne may no longer be able to rest people because they may need to win that one in order to secure the number one seed. And then Bullets-Phoenix, the very last game of the season next Tuesday night, could determine third and fourth place.
0: Absolutely. So if Illawarra win tonight against the Wildcats, which is a very distinct possibility at home.
1: Without Cotton, too, I, of course, yeah.
0: I believe they had a six-point lead around half time, so it's, it's looking like it could be a thing. That all but secures their spot. The Southeast Melbourne-Phoenix are the team that's kind of decided to have a few troubles at the worst possible time. Yeah,
1: well, with three games in a week as well. So yeah. it's got to be a big schedule for them.
0: Well, they had one of their games moved. I think that was the game against Cairns, which they lost.
1: Because Melbourne teams had to leave due to COVID. Yep, yep.
0: And the Phoenix just forgot how to play down the stretch. Mirko Jerich was huge, hit a couple of massive threes late in that one. So, yeah, there's a lot of games to play. There's a lot of games with things on the line, as you've said. And, and yeah, realistically you've still got four teams that could make that, that final two spots. Yeah, 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 it's wide open. It still looks like it will be Illawarra and Southeast Melbourne, but, geez, I'll tell you what, you know, the Kings have two very winnable games against the Hawks and the Bullets coming up. The Bullets have winnable games. I mean, they've got to play the Kings and the Phoenix twice. And so the Bullets
1: will have to win out too, so, yeah.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, it, as I say, it looks likely that the four is kind of already kind of set because there's two losses between fourth and fifth. But geez, I tell you, stranger off. things have happened. Yeah, and as you always say, this is why we play the games.
1: Indeed, indeed. So we've talked about the winners. There'll always be losers, and in this case, it's Mike Kelly. And granted, Ken's currently sit at eight and twenty-seven, so it's been a pretty woeful uh, year for the team that I thought was going to make the grand final after nearly getting there in the semis last year. So close. Yeah, <laughs> things did not go according to plan there. No. Was it be a bit hard done by?
0: Absolutely, it was. I mean, you look at the team that they've had. Cam Oliver's been gone for what the last month. They had Major Deng out for a good chunk of the season.
1: Noi's been out for a while too, off and on.
0: Like, what options did Kelly actually have this season? I, I just I can't think of a way that he could have turned that eight and twenty-seven into a seventeen and eighteen or somewhere around about that five hundred. Like, there's just I, I don't see how he could have done much better.
1: And again, he was a couple of bounces away from making a grand final last year. Hmm. I mean, Ken's played Perth superbly well in those semis, so I don't know. I I'm of the view with these sort of things that you better have a bloody good replacement waiting in the wings because otherwise it's a sideways move.
0: Well, and this is the other thing as well. Half of the problem they had was that they had to give up DJ Newell. Yes, he was probably the biggest reason that they've gone from being a contender to bottom of the ladder. What's happening next season? They're adding the third. The third port comes back. Yeah. Back. Yep. Now, Now, I suggest
1: a lot of teams will be looking for new signature. Potentially. But he might stay with the incumbent. You
0: you would have to think that Cairns would have the inside track. And obviously, a lot of it does depend on what happens with Cam Oliver. He looks like he could potentially stay in America. Yeah, he'll stay. He's played well. Yeah. But yeah, geez, it just seems like a little bit of a a short-sighted move to cut him out just purely because of one bad season, which really, I think he was up against the wall and hiding to nothing All of the other cliches you want to put out (laughs) I I just don't think he really had a chance.
1: We'll be very interested to see what Alex says about this when we talk about it with him very soon. Yes, we will. Speaking of Cairns, Stewie, some quick trivia without notice. So Scott Machado became just the fourth player in NBL history to record 500 points and 200 assists in his first two seasons. Do you want to have a crack at the other three?
0: Derek Rucker springs to mind straight. Oh, it's a decent guess, but no. Ricky Grace? Yep. yeah, 90 and 91. Should have been the
1: first
0: bloody choice. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's a lot of points. I mean, again, guys like Robert Rose come to mind. Decent um, guess, but no. Steve Woodbury?
1: Another de- Yeah, uh, you're going to have good guesses. He would
0: have got the assist, though. Darren McDonald? Yes, 94, 95. Yeah, 90 makes yep.
1: Sense. yep. I thought you'd get those two. The other one is tricky. The other one is tricky. Oh. If you get this one, I'd be very impressed. And I'm happy to put you out of misery you at sure? any point, too. I wouldn't get what, this What year? Uh, okay 91-92 91-92 Is it like Donald
0: Whiteside?
1: Andre LeFleur
0: Oh of course
1: Andre LeFleur I'm
0: surprised No I'm, he was a good player But no, no, he, he, Yeah
1: I, I su- mean we were very young back
0: And then, I'm surprised so. that he kind of Butch Hayes as well
1: Yeah well yeah Yeah No plenty of candidates yeah, that's a good one, that one Yeah Yep So
0: There
1: you go We've been a bit critical of Machado But he still had a decent
0: season the Elite company
1: Bad news for the world of the MBA with the sudden death of Mark Eaton in tragic circumstances. May you rest in peace? Yeah, this is a
0: another horrible one. And unfortunately, it's the second major accident involving cycling for guys well over the seven foot mark in Utah. A little while back, we had that horrible accident involving Sean Bradley that's left him in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, Mark Eaton, the former centre of the Utah Jazz, was involved in a cycling accident just a few days ago that has unfortunately left him now, passed away. Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. So very sad news for the Utah Jazz. And he remained involved with the team until the very end. Apparently, formed a really nice relationship with Rudy Gobert. They talked about during the game, after, straight after it happened. So, yeah, really sad news there.
0: Yeah, they said that the, one of the first things that Gobert saw when he was speaking with Eaton early on. Was, was the trophy. Was the trophy. Yeah. He he said, oh, what's that? What's that? <laughs> it's the defensive player of the year. I want that. And sure enough, he now has a couple.
1: You may get a third this year.
0: I mean, if you look at some of the, the things that Eaton has done over his career, he has a 5.6 block per game season, which is the, the number one all time.
1: Outrageous. Hard to top that,
0: His career average of three and a half blocks a game is number one by a decent amount. Yep. He was an all-star in 1989. A lot of people forget that, that he was an all-star purely on his defense. Yep. I mean, this is a guy who averaged single figures pretty much his entire career.
1: Karl did all the scoring. That's fine.
0: Well, that's it. They had a lot of good scorers in Utah over those uh, 80s and early 90s years, but... This guy was probably one of the greatest defenders of all time. And I don't think I'll ever forget Rex Chapman driving baseline, going up for a dunk and eating, pinning the ball to the back. <laughs> yes. Without jumping. I was going
1: to say, without leaving his feet. Just pinging. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. So,
0: look, a, a great man. Apparently uh, one of the nicest guys. Yeah, ever they did mention ever. that a lot.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, they always do say these things, but you actually believed it this time. Didn't yeah. You don't,
0: don't expect, oh, he was an absolute yeah. arsehole. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. No, look... It, Thoughts and prayers with the Utah Jazz family and obviously Mark Eaton's family as well.
1: Now, we have an award. Uh, Julius Randle won the most improved player. He won it over Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant. I think any three of them would have been worthy winners, much like the six-man race.
0: I honestly believe that Michael Porter Jr. should have won this. Now, don't get me wrong, Randle had a superb season. You know, he's made the Knicks a lot better and a lot more relevant this year than they've been in a long, long First time. First playoff
1: appearance in 10-odd years. Yeah.
0: His numbers have gone up, most notably his assists, by nearly double. Three-point shooting has gone up from high 20s to low 40s. He's taking a lot more of them as well, so he's really expanded his range. He's probably one of two reasons, basically him and Derek Rose are the reasons that the Knicks are where they are. But for me, yeah, it's Michael Porter Jr. You can mention guys like Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood, but their teams (laughs) sucked. So to me... It's like, that's an automatic
1: disqualification for those. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a fair point.
0: So for Porter Jr., he went from about nine points, I think it was 9.3 points a game last season to 19 this season. Yep. And his boards went up by about five rebounds as well. So he is, you know, really, and I know it's not always about stats, but his field goal percentage, his three-point percentage went up. They were, you know, they were really great last year, but they went up even further this year. And when Jamal Murray went down, I think everyone kind of assumed the Nuggets were going to drop off and end up around the or yeah, six. Yeah, yep. They stayed in the three seed. Yep. Porter is a massive, massive reason for that.
1: And he's not afraid of the big moment either. I mean, obviously there were those issues last playoffs where he wanted more of a role, which was a pretty gutsy thing and maybe a disruptive thing. But it, it shows a killer instinct, which is a good and thing. And
0: he's, he's backed it up this year with yeah. the quality of his play. Like For me, Randall is a nice story. But, for, but Porter Jr., just he deserves.
1: Oh, you make a good case. I would not have an issue with that at all. It's pretty well documented how much I like this Nuggets team. He would have been a worthy winner. I don't know if you remember last postseason, Stewie. I asked who would you rather have, Tyler Hero or Michael Porter Jr. And I answered my own question, saying Hero now, but Porter Jr. career. Well, we might already be in year two. Oh, I, think,
0: Porter Jr. I think
1: we're there already. Yeah. Now, more bad news. Fan dramas. They haven't been allowed in stadiums for a while, and now that they're back in, they're acting like absolute fuckwits.
0: You mean stadium, yeah?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's get that one going.
0: No, look, first first of all, before we get into this, we have to applaud the vast majority of the fans. Oh, yeah,
1: of course. It's always a few rotten eggs that ruin the whole bunch.
0: Yeah, they've been loud, they've been influential. It gave me goosebumps watching the Knicks fans as they came back against Atlanta in Game 2. You could even hear them chanting, fuck, Trey Young, which... <laughs> We'll let slide because, you know, they're not doing anything too too stupid. But we, we do have to put the inverted commas around some of the fans here because there's just too many cases in the last week of people crossing the line. And, look, we absolutely have to congratulate the league and the stadiums on their quick responses to these. So mm. we'll rattle off a few of them and kind of get your thoughts on them.
1: Well, there's another one today. They're still
0: doing it. We'll but anyway, we'll start from the top. So, first things first, we had the Madison Square faithful doing a really great job, but we had one idiot who, in the world of COVID, and I have to point out, I did notice that the vast majority of the fans in Madison Square Garden weren't wearing masks.
1: Yeah, there's higher vaccination rates in the States, so maybe it's not as egregious as it could be, but mm. yeah. But still, it, it, you, you notice it, don't you? You, you, notice you these things.
0: really, really do. Yeah. But he thought in this world, it's a great time to spit on
1: Disgraceful. So
0: that's disgraceful.
1: To me, spitting on someone is the ultimate act of disrespect. Even spitting in front of them is an act of disrespect. So that's uh, for before the COVID issues that you bring up. So that's horrendous.
0: It is. The next quote fan was at the Wells Fargo Center for Philadelphia and Washington game. Two. Russell Westbrook just rolled his ankle heading down the race to go and get treatment on it. And some on decided that he would shower Westbrook with popcorn. Mm. Now, Russ doesn't have the greatest rapport with opposition crowds and Had he not been held back by, like, five guys, (laughs) every likelihood he would have gone into the stands after this guy. And that
1: ankle looked a little bit better all of a sudden. Yeah. The adrenaline flow. It's
0: amazing what happens there. You get a bit of of caramel and salt on your arm. But but the thing is, if he goes into the fan, guess what happens? The guy probably gets put in hospital. Well, we got malice in the palace 2.0. and Westbrook gets suspended for the next thousand years, basically. So, you know, this guy was a season ticket holder. He should know better.
1: Yeah. I don't imagine those things are very cheap. Why would you want to jeopardise those tickets? Well, he has. Yeah, well, he absolutely <laughs> he has.
0: Absolutely gone. Now, we head to Utah for the third one. There were three incidents in Game 2 of the Memphis-Utah series. We had one person making a sexually explicit remark towards Ja Morant's mum. Mm. We had one who told Ja Morant's dad that he would, quote, put a nickel in your back and watch you dance, boy.
1: Yeah, I knew there'd been racist issues, but I didn't actually know the specifics. It's disgusting. Utah crowds and racism do not have a good history. They do not. Vernon Maxwell trolls them all the time on Twitter, Twitter about it. Yeah.
0: Well, that's one of the huge issues that Russell Westbrook used to have was all the all the fans there yeah. saying a lot, of, a lot of pretty nasty stuff. Yeah. Then we also had another one who told Jamal Morant's mom to quote, shut the fuck up, bitch. Mm. So all three of those pretty pretty average. Mm. And then the fourth incident we had was some dickhead at the TD Garden in Boston who decided to throw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving after he just put the Celtics to the sword.
1: And it barely grazed him, but it doesn't matter. The act is the is the key thing here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the first three have basically seen indefinite bans handed out by the by the different stadium owners and the and the, the teams, I guess. Whereas the fourth one in Boston, the police have actually arrested this guy and he's now subject to a lifetime ban.
1: And he's quite a young kid too, I saw on SportsCenter last night. So that's a, that's a really bad mistake that will affect his life as a Celtics fan. But you can't act like a dickhead. Okay, yes, you haven't been in the stadium for a while. Bloody hell, like the crowds are only just allowed back and this is the sort of shit they're causing. It's terrible. So
0: what do you think, in these instances, what do you think is an appropriate sort of ban or punishment
1: Oh, I, I don't have a problem with these indefinite bans at all. And I, and I think that, so apparently Trey Young didn't press charges. I, I don't think it should be in his hands. I think the cops should press charges on this stuff.
0: Yeah, I've got no problems there. I mean, as you say, the spitting is horrible at the best of times, but certainly in COVID times yeah, it's even worse. it really is. I think the popcorn one, uh, you could get away with maybe a year ban on that one. Yeah. And then I think the other, yeah, the first two in Utah probably should be banned very much indefinitely. The, the third one... That's probably a year. Yeah, that's that's really all you need for that. But fans can't—they can't throw projectiles.
1: Yeah, it's not what should be happening. Okay, yeah, we used to laugh at the Perth Entertainment Centre when someone would launch a paper aeroplane from the very back row and it would get close to the court. But that wasn't an act of aggression. But these you know, are all acts of aggression. Well, even then, it is bad. Hmm. Yeah, and they're at the back row.
0: That was. could potentially hit someone in the eye. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting. You know, we talk about all these bands. You know, we were talking off air about. You know, what does a band actually achieve sometimes?
1: Yeah, well, you can go incognito. And I think Scotty Brooks actually mentioned it in his post-game interview too, that you can change your appearance. It's very hard to police this stuff. Now, okay, if you have a season ticket, then they just cancel the season ticket. But you could go and buy a regular ticket.
0: Grow a moustache and a beard, put on some glasses
1: and chuck on a hat. Yep, go incognito. Exactly. Yeah. Good sense reference. But then we have another one today. So there's all these... Bloody incidents. It's almost like each fan base has to feel like they need to one-up the previous one.
0: Do we need one in every series? It's douchebag fan week in
1: the NBA Oh, it really is, it is. is. Yeah, TNT presents.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. So, yeah, what happened today? Guy basically jumps onto the court in game four of the 76ers Wizards series and touched the backboard.
1: Yeah, well done, mate. Congratulations. Yeah. These are, you have to think alcohol's involved in nearly all, if not all, of these cases.
0: Mm-hmm. And the thing is, these cowards wouldn't do or say these things on the street. And the fact is that half of them are doing it in front of their kids. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, this is the sort of stuff that their kids are going to think is okay growing up. Yeah. And that's that's more, more of an issue than, I think, half of throwing popcorn or whatever it happens to be, is just the message that this sends to the people out like It's just disgusting. But to me, I
1: cannot believe there are still incidents occurring when there's already been four in a week, as you say. Yeah. It's, it's just nuts. All right, let's get into the series. Milwaukee have polished off Miami pretty easily in the end, 4-0, avenging the bubble loss last playoffs.
0: This was a contest for maybe one game. Yeah. I think Game one was pretty good and the rest of it was just blowouts. Uh, you know, I spoke before this series started about the loss of Jay Crowder and Kelly Linning. Yes. And yep. that showed up more than anything.
1: But playoff Jimmy Butler, we thought he was the thing. And you have to wonder if, if it was the bubble versus no bubble. Were Miami just the best bubble team?
0: Way off, Jimmy Butler.
1: Yeah, well, because exactly. Because he, he was. I mean, he was. He was.
0: Goran Dragic led them in scoring, sixteen points a game. That's not going to win a series. No way. Anyway. No
1: way.
0: It was funny. You know, you think about the players that Miami have lost, and you think about the players that Milwaukee have lost, and, and what they've done with their bench. You know, I was I was listening to the mismatch on the way here, and and they made a, this crazy comparison of the benches for Milwaukee, Kyle Korver, gone, Marvin Williams, gone.
1: George Hill. George
0: Hill, yep. on his, playing pretty well in Philadelphia, but on his last legs. And they've been replaced with Bryn Forbes, who has been on fire in this series.
1: And has playoff experience. And, exactly. For a very good San Antonio team.
0: Bobby Portis, who has played some really, really great ball. And PJ Tucker, who's one of the toughest guys you would ever meet.
1: Yep. And then, of course, they they had a pretty good uh, acquisition in the offseason as well. Yeah, I mean,
0: Drew Holiday... It was a massive. The plus passing. minus. Now I
1: don't subscribe to plus minus much, but the plus minus is off the charts when Drew Holiday's on the court.
0: It's not the be all and end all, but it's, no, it's, it's, it's gives you, it gives you an overall yeah. understanding of how much the team has won with that person on the court. And, and yeah, look, this was uh, this was horrible. The good thing about it, though, at least, is that Milwaukee are going to be well rested for
1: Brooklyn. Yes, indeed.
0: Do you think Jimmy Butler stays? Oh. And I'll I'll clarify that by saying if you look at where Miami's heading, you know they've gone from being finalists one year to being really right back in in the middle of the pack.
1: I think it's still his team. There's no state taxes in Florida. I suspect he will stay. They're still Bam at a bio. They're, they're still a young, good team. So I think he will stay. Okay. Do you? I,
0: I wouldn't be surprised if he left.
1: Yeah. I really where would he go though? Go. What New York or something Dallas. Dallas, okay.
0: Dallas is one that I've heard. He could go to California. I mean, he could go anywhere that has the potential to win a championship because he's not getting any younger.
1: No, that's true. But the Heat do have some good players on rookie contracts. They could recruit. I I suspect he'll stay, but that'll be an interesting one. Hmm. Should we move on to the Nets Celtics then, who will be their opponent? Yep. And this was the first of a couple of games that were really funny on Saturday. So I watched a lot of basketball on the weekend. I managed to watch three games and some minis on Saturday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but it was the first of two games where one team absolutely exploded out the gates. So the Nets started on a 19-4 to run, but then didn't win the game. Now, of course, they're in a pretty commanding position, 3-1 up. I said, okay, I'll give Boston one because Jason Tatum will probably have a big performance, and sure enough, he had his 50. The biggest one to me, though, is near. What? There was, what, a minute left or there was bugger all 30 time. 40
0: seconds, yeah. yeah.
1: Kevin Durant's run through Marcus Smart. They've called a foul on Durant, right call. They've then sent it up on review because they've challenged. Fair enough. That is their right. And I'm still scratching my head a few days later. They overturned it.
0: Yeah, there's literally nothing that I could see that could possibly... It was outrageous. Over- and the worst part is that it ended up being then a, an away from the play foul, which resulted in a shot on the ball. Yeah. Now, thankfully, it didn't cost Boston the game, but imagine if that had.
1: Is the league protecting Kevin Durant there? Potentially. That's, yeah. that, was, that looked very fishy to me. It's a was call. I didn't like it. I mean, I'm not saying it's conspiracy.
0: Did someone say conspiracy? I'll slip into my trust no one shirt.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, it doesn't
0: need to be a conspiracy. Brooklyn are having their way with Boston for the most part. As we yeah. predicted. No Jalen Brown. Durant, Harden and Irving averaging nearly 86 points a game between them on these ridiculous clips. Both Harden and Durant are shooting 55-45-90s from the field. The yeah. Night, which is out of this world. Man. Yeah. I mean, what team do you think has any chance of stopping Brooklyn? Oh, Milwaukee can beat
1: them. You think so? Yeah, I think they can. Okay. I think they can. But well, we'll do our predictions as we go. Who,
0: who's going to defend Durant? Probably Giannis. Probably Giannis at
1: first instance, but they can do it by committee a bit. And then
0: yeah. A, yeah, and then I, I guess Drew Holiday. Would Drew probably, Holiday would take, hard probably I take think. Harden, and then, yeah. and then that leaves Irving.
1: Too. It does, it does. <laughs> so, um, but but so. Brooklyn don't necessarily, I'm not sold on their defence. So no, who do they a, defend? Oh, it's going to be a
0: very fun high-scoring yeah. series. Yeah, no, I do look forward to that one. Yeah,
1: definitely. Similarly, and look, yeah. all the other series are all 3-1, apart from the one that's finished. The 76ers are up 3-1 on the Wizards. Again, we gave the Wizards one in the gentleman sweep, as you called it. Yeah, that's where it's in. All the talk is about Ben Simmons. It's trick-or-treat Ben Simmons. So they tried Hacker Simmons on him today. He shot 5 of 11 from the line. So it was a somewhat useful strategy. It was was a great tweet from Mina Kimes of ESPN, who's all over ESPN, and she's great. Uh, She said, Ben Simmons is walking to the free throw line like he's being asked to clean his room. (laughs) And look, is there any more polarising player than Ben Simmons in the league? He cops so much hate, not only from opposition fans, but from his own fans too. Yeah, I'm thinking. I
0: I can't think of anyone.
1: No. So Coach Doc Rivers had some great quotes today after the game that they lost. Okay, they lost, but they're still in a very commanding position. You want me to take Ben Simmons off the floor? He's pretty good, so I'll pass on that suggestion. You guys keep this Ben Simmons narrative going, which is freaking insane. Okay, Ben's not a 40-point guy. I just don't understand why this is not sinking in in this city. If I'm Ben, I'd get tired of it. Celebrate him and all the things he does well. You guys keep the Ben Simmons narrative going. We're going to keep playing. Fair enough. And as he should, he should be defending his play. Yeah. So look, like Doc said, he's not going to score 40 every night. He'll rarely score 40, but he does a lot of other things. He had a 15-rebound, 15-assist game in game one. He's a great defender, possibly the best one-on-one defender in the competition, if not his teammate, Matisse Thybul. He's a very important player in the playoffs.
0: Look, he's got the size, he's got the, the length, he's got the speed to guard almost anyone in the league. Yeah, and he then, can. He and, can mark one to five. And there's not many guys that you could actually say that about in this league. So, yeah, you're 100% spot on. I don't think the deficiencies at the free throw line are enough to take him out of a game. Look, obviously it's... It's disappointing that he's not making seven or eight of those 11, but it's going to happen. And there'll be games where he does go eight of 11. Yeah. But there'll be games where he'll go three or four of 11. So you don't necessarily know what you're going to get with him every night. But, yeah, I think he's far too important to take out of the game. And
1: well, you will get lockdown defence and you will get assists and rebounds of playmaking. You, you, you can bank on those things.
0: Absolutely. Now, just quickly before I get into, I guess, the big thing from today... Just want to give you a quick stat from game two of this. Now, you mentioned Matisse Thybulle as far as his defensive prowess, and he is a ridiculously good defender.
1: Oh, he's great to watch. He's the sort of player that if a casual fan is watching a 76ers game would go, who's that? Mm. And he's not a household name, but his he defense is just a step above.
0: Now, I want to highlight that. Now, in game two, Thybulle had four steals and five blocks. Mm. Since 1983, the only guys that have done this in a playoff game are Hakeem Olajuwon eight times. Yep. Ben Wallace three times, Draymond Green twice, Scotty Pippen, Kevin Garnett, Chris Webber, and Kawhi Leonard.
1: But the time is the key thing.
0: Thibault's the first guy to do it off the bench. Yep. And as you mentioned, the time, every single one of those guys logged at least 35 minutes to do so. Thibault did his in less than 20. Less
1: than 20. It's outrageous.
0: 19 minutes 56, I think mean, it was. Oh. Right. But yeah, absolutely insane. To have those Excellent. numbers in 20 minutes, nuts. But the big question from today obviously involves Joel Embiid. So he's come down a little bit awkward after getting blocked by Robin Lopez. And it look it didn't look amazing.
1: No. And he's had injury history and he's a big guy and big guys, ankles, knees, legs, feet. Yeah. A
0: lot of weight coming down. Yeah. So my question is this if he can't go, do the Sixers still win? The series
1: or the series.
0: If you can't go, they don't win the the championship. No. No, There's no way.
1: No. And I'll tell you what, after watching the game that I watched on Sunday, my pick was feeling a lot better But then today happened. Oh, I I still think they would eke through the series, but it could be tough. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, look, I, I think if he doesn't play, there's every possibility that Washington takes it to seven.
1: They'd have to win four in a row. Which is a big ask. Well, yeah. And it's, Another three on top of the one they just won.
0: And it's something that's never been done in the NBA, obviously. But I don't, yeah. Obviously, if they can get through this series, they would probably start potentially even money with the winner of Atlanta and New York, which we'll get to in just a second.
1: Do you try and hold him out for as long as the series is possible just to rest him for the next series?
0: I, I mean, you almost have to, really. Yeah. You have to sort of at least give game five a chance. See how they go. If it gets to game six, you potentially roll the dice and see whether you can put it away early. But, yeah, geez, it puts them in a precarious position all of a sudden.
1: Now, the Knicks, they've been very disappointing. Julius Randle has not lived up to his most improved player, Monaco, has he?
0: No. Well, I mean, what's he shooting? 20 of 73 from the field at the moment? It's 27%. It's oh, not good.
1: Woeful. Yeah, I noticed in game three that the fans were chanting, overrated, over... And, hey, the way he's been playing, do you blame them?
0: Honestly, I think this is just a case of a slump at the worst possible time. The length that Atlanta can throw it in with guys like Capella, it it makes it really tough. But he's just not making shots. I mean, he's taking the same shots he's made all season. He's just not making them. I think it's as simple as that. So if you look at Atlanta, they have just killed them offensively. They've taken apart New York's defense. Trey Young's getting everything he wants. He's looked really poised for a guy in his first playoffs, which I've been very impressed with. But they're getting a lot from their bench. Guys like Danilo Gallinari, Kevin Herter, even Lou Williams has sort of stepped up. He's not scoring big points, but he's providing that, that leadership off the bench. And, yeah, I, I just think it's been a, a really good balanced attack from Atlanta They haven't relied too much on Young, as good as he's been.
1: To me, it's been all about the Knicks' deficiencies. So I've just found the SMS I sent you after watching that game three. The Knicks have major problems. Randall and Barrett, MIA, wouldn't be surprised if they don't win another game.
0: Yeah. And that stands true now still. And you're possibly right.
1: So due to recording schedules, we'll post our picks on Twitter if we have to, depending on how everything shakes okay, out. We're going to have to, yeah. So Utah have very much steadied the ship after losing game one. They are now up 3-1 on the Grizzlies. As we expected, things are maybe back to reality for the Jazz.
0: Yeah, I think we probably got a little bit excited after game one, but Utah's just got too many guns. I mean, if you look at who's doing well, Donovan Mitchell destroying them 27 points a game. Mike Conley is 23 a game on more than 50% from three. You know, even guys like Bogdanovich, 20 points a game. They're just... Taking them apart on, on offense. Royce
1: and, O'Neill played really well in that game three as well. Yeah, he did. They're firing now.
0: And when they overplay on these guards, they're just dumping it down to go there for easy dunks. He, he's, I think he's averaging 13 and 12 in the series. So the
1: blocking shots too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And look, I mean, it's got to be said, Jar Morant had probably 47. Yeah. Yeah. One of the greatest first two games you'll ever see in terms of your, your playoffs.
1: Do you know what I really liked about that? So when I was watching that game, Initially, so I think he scored four or five buckets in a row for them. And I thought, oh, it's looking a bit hero bally if he doesn't involve his teammates, because there were still five minutes left. I thought, if he doesn't involve his teammates, they're not going to win this regardless. And sure enough, just as I had that thought, on the next few plays, he, he was throwing some nice passes and he was involving his teammates. Yeah. I'm yeah. so impressed with his poise.
0: Yeah. Your is.
1: your pick of him being a future MVP is a very good chance.
0: It is. I mean, look, he hasn't been as good the last couple of games, but he's still averaging 30-odd points a game in this series. And I mean, he's a second-year
1: player playing against the number one seed. Yeah. So, you know, we still have to
0: <laughs> cut, him him some, cut him some slack. Yes. yeah. But, um, it look, but it looks like Utah's going to win this in five. Like, I think we well, I think we both had five. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Suns Lakers much more interesting. Locked up at 2-all. There's all sorts of storylines here with injuries on both sides of the ledger. First Chris Paul, then Anthony Davis.
0: Whew. What a rollercoaster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I actually had in my notes after game three, there are three guarantees in life, death, taxes, and a Chris Paul injury derailing a promising playoff run. Yeah. Yep. And up until game four, this series was heartbreaking because I honestly believed that Phoenix had all of the pieces they needed to beat the Lakers.
1: And you could see in game three, he just wasn't playing the same way. He, he wasn't throwing some of the passes he normally would have thrown. He wasn't attacking the rim like he would normally do. He was dribbling
0: and rebounding the ball. With one hand, yeah. Him, yep. Which is yep. just not right. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I actually thought they should have rested him for game three.
0: You think he's going to let that happen? Well,
1: yeah. As it
0: was, they wanted to rest him in game four. Well, they and needed he, him
1: to win. Well, didn't... did they need him to win? Well, <laughs> he, this he just really...
0: flat out said no. Yeah. But this is where probably an even bigger storyline comes in.
1: Yeah. Anthony Davis now injured. And look, he's gone down a few times. He's been battling a few things. And look, he's a little bit made of glass. Hmm. But it's not looking good for the Lakers. And they got absolutely overrun in game four as a result of him not playing in the second half.
0: And there's no guarantee that he'll play for the rest of the season. He's already been pretty much ruled out of game five. Yeah. Oh, they'd be crazy to play
1: him in game five.
0: It's unlikely that he'll play in game six as well, which could potentially be an elimination game. I mean, LeBron's going to have to go next level if he's going to carry them.
1: And you can't help but wonder if they're now regretting playing LeBron all those minutes during the season because he had a heavy load this season. He did. And it's affected him too.
0: But the the problem that losing Davis presents for the Lakers is the fact that now the Suns are going to get – Almost anything they want. Andre Drummond, not a bad rim defender, but he's nowhere near the the level that Davis is. Mark Gasol's, what is he like 65 years old <laughs> now? So he's obviously well past his prime. They're gonna be able to break him down off the dribble. DeAndre Ayton, 19.8 points a game this series. Oh like nearly 81% from the field. Yeah. Now, admittedly, he's not shooting much from outside about three feet. But, but he knows
1: his bread and butter. That's fine. I actually prefer bigs that know their role rather than hanging out by the perimeter shooting threes they can't hit. Absolutely. I'm quite a fan of Aiton, actually.
0: Yeah. And look, even Jay Crowder, I mentioned him. I mean, he started two of 20 from three in the first three games, but he went three of eight yesterday and was a big part of them winning. So I think he's going to be huge over these next couple of games. And just quickly before we sort of move on to the next series, Chris Paul has now lost the last 11 games officiated by Scott Foster.
1: Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? I better
0: hope he's not officiating for the rest of this series. Yeah, no
1: kidding. I've got another interesting one from that Game 3 broadcast. So Charles Barkley was talking about players with killer instinct. He mentioned a few obvious names, you know, Michael Jordan, and Shaq's sitting there at the other side of the table going, Yeah, Chuck. Like, making Charles say Shaq, but he wasted like a minute of broadcast. One of the greatest players of all time, but fuck he shits me as a broadcaster. Oh, I thought you were saying they lacked the
0: killer instincts. I was going to say, Chuck didn't really have that killer instinct. That's what no, was
1: Shaq thinking. was saying, mention my name. But it's like, come on, man. Really? Like That's narcissistic that Chuck can't say Michael Jordan and move on. It just ruined the halftime show.
0: Shaq didn't have a killer instinct. No, I don't think so. He was, I just, I he was just a big dude. He was dominant, yeah. Like Kobe had the killer instinct. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, yeah exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Like, he's been on Inside the NBA for over a decade now, but... I wish he wasn't because I'd much rather Kenny and Charles time.
0: Chris, give us Chris Webber.
1: Yeah, well, TNC have got rid of him. Yeah. Get
0: him back.
1: Yeah, anyway. well, anyway. Yeah. Where do we go next? Denver and Portland. Yeah. Two-all. Funny old series. Probably going seven. Yeah, there's
0: no surprise in this one. It's exactly what we were expecting. It's a tough tight series. Look, Jokic has been superb as we thought. He's had some pretty cool backup from guys like Austin Rivers. He had a, a really, really key stretch in one yep. wins.
1: Another one of those irrational confidence guys.
0: Yep. They've had Aaron Gordon, Faku Campaza stepped up, Michael Porter Jr. And oh, I love watching Campazzo. He's he's a good he Oh, knows. so good. And little surprise. It's been mostly Lillard and McCollum that have basically had bursts to to keep Portland in this series. And I think you're right. I think it probably does go seven now.
1: Yep. Which Portland need Nurkic to play better. Yeah. It wouldn't
0: hurt. Yeah. Wouldn't
1: hurt. Yeah. Now, Clippers Mavs, our last one. Very weird. The away team has won every game.
0: Which holds the Mavs in pretty good stead, I
1: guess. (laughs) Well, no, I don't think it does because of the Luca injury.
0: Look, we don't even really have time to get into the whole Chris pausing is getting fined 50K for going into a club, which is bloody stupid. Yeah, it is. But but I think that's, funnily enough, not even the the most frustrating thing about him this, this week. Like, I said last week when I picked the Clippers that Porzingis should dominate, but he won't. He's been that passive that the Clippers have put Zubash on the bench and have played him with Nicholas Patone.
1: Yep. Like, oh, he's been far too... He's been really disappointing. When, when I heard that the Mavs got him for chump change, I was really pissed off. I was hoping the Spurs might have dangled Aldridge or, you know, made some sort of play for him. But now I'm, I'm glad that the Spurs didn't get him because he's been really disappointing. You, you want more out of your max player.
0: He's seven foot three. Yes. And he's averaging the same amount of rebounds per game in the playoffs as Campazo. Yeah. Well, that says it all. Who's five foot 11. Yes.
1: That says it all, doesn't it?
0: Like, come on, at least look like you want to win. Yeah. It, it's so frustrating. But the other big problem is Luka Doncic's free for Isn't that?
1: Well, yeah. He's he's injured. Like, clearly, he's. I, initially, I thought it was just a stinger in his shoulder, but it's still causing him issues. And that's it's, it's changed the series, really, because they were dominating. Mm. and And I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers went out from him.
0: Well, I said that after they won game three, was I think they're going to still win it in six.
1: They mm. just couldn't defend. They had nothing for Leonard and Paul. It was a great game. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, I mean, if you look at Doncic, he's 13 of 32 from the free throw line. He's shooting a better percentage from three than he is from the free throw line. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, he's never been elite with Dallas. He's always hovered between 70 and 75%. And you can live with that. Yeah. But, like, he was an 81 to 88%. Free throw shooter with Real Madrid. Yeah. So he he has been an elite level yeah. shooter before. Yeah.
1: So You can't I, have him shooting fifty percent. I
0: just uh, yeah I I don't understand. It, you're right. It has to be something with his shoulder.
1: Yeah. Well, it's and it's so hard to be critical of him because he's been absolutely superb. He's been a joy to watch. Uh, I've had I've seen two of the four games in this series and he's just magnificent. But it is hurting his team. Yeah, like I say, I think Dallas are toast. Uh, uh,
0: Yeah, I was going to say, do you think there's any way back? No, they're
1: done. Random observation, Shui, from that game three. Go for it. Willie Cauley Stein's dreadies, The end of them look like those blue sour snake (laughs) callies. I bet they taste terrible, mate. Speaking of Willie Cauley Stein, he got called for a physical taunt. Is that a contradiction in terms? Like, he pushed Terence Mann in the face, kind of, and then got done for a physical taunt. No, that's just a physical act. Yeah. Like, a taunt is normally getting in someone's face without touching them. Yeah. It was bizarre. That's just stupid,
0: that's just <laughs> stupid isn't that one.
1: And the best commentary call of the season so far, Richard Jefferson, Captain Obvious, I don't think Kleber can defend Leonard one-on-one, said in all seriousness.
0: That's not saying I don't think Kleber is an octopus.
1: Oh, like, yeah. Obviously <laughs> not.
0: Like, of course he's
1: not. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Just a, a, one last quick thing about the, the LA Clippers. I said at the start of the season it was a bit curious that the Clippers would pay so much for Luke Kennard when they threw him $64 million. Yeah. He's played a total of four minutes in their four games so far, including none in the first three games. Wow. So,
1: yeah, wow. Waste the money here. Yeah.
0: But no, look, fun first week of the playoffs. I, I dare say we're going to see some long series in the West.
1: And some people waiting in the east. I
0: think so.
1: Already some twists and turns, far too many injury implications. Hopefully there won't be too many more of them. Mm-hmm.
0: And now, this week in sport history.
1: June 4th, 1988, Steffi Graf breaks the record for shortest women's singles Grand Slam final in the Open era, destroying Natalia Zvereva of Belarus' 6-love, six 6-love six in just 32 minutes at the French Open final. I'll pretend I said her name properly then. <laughs> it was also the only double bagel in a final of a Grand Slam in the modern era. In seven matches at Roland Garros, Graf had six sets in which her opponent did not win a game, albeit with a very favourable run with her first five matches against unseeded players. Things did get tougher in the semi final against Gabriella Sabatini, but she barely broke a sweat in that final. In all, Graf won 22 Grand Slams, third all-time. As we've mentioned before, she was the only 10th player to win the Golden Slam, which is all four Grand Slams, plus the Olympic gold medal, which she did in 1988. She was also the only player to win all four Grand Slams at least four times each. For the record, the shortest recorded professional match was at the 1946 Surrey Open Hardcourt Championships, in which Australian Jack Don't Call Me Jumper Harper defeated Jay Sandiford, no mention of her first name. Good Good reason. Six love, six love in 18 minutes with Sandiford winning just one point for the entire match. Oh,
0: dear. Wow. June the 4th, 1995, the New Zealand rugby union side creates a world record score for an international match, destroying Japan 145 to 17 (laughs) at the World Cup in Blancfontein, South Africa. Mark Ellis scored six tries and Simon Killane nailed 20 conversions to go with a try of his own for 45 individual points. New Zealand won the possession 91 to 9%. They actually had 100% of the possession in the first half. Wow. And Japan missed 67 tackles for the match while only completing 56. New Zealand made it all the way to the final where they lost in extra time to the host South Africa 15-12 on a drop goal from Joel Stransky And after the match, the world witnessed the eternally famous moment of Nelson Mandela handing the Webb Ellis Cup to Captain Francois Pinar and was the inspiration behind the movie Invictus.
1: Yes, indeed. June 6th, 1937, the Philadelphia Phillies forfeited game against the St. Louis Cardinals due to continued stalling tactics by the pitchers. The Phillies were trailing 8-2 in the fourth inning at the time. In order for a game to be legally deemed a game, it has to go four and a half innings, but it was incredibly close to a curfew that was being held in Philadelphia at the time. So the Umpires called the game off after growing tired of the Phillies shenanigans awarding the win to the Cardinals. It had no impact on the season ultimately as the Phillies went 61 and 92, good for second last in the National League.
0: Wah, wah. <laughs> June 6, 1994, playing for Warwickshire West Indian batsman Brian Lara records a world first-class record of 501 not out no. against Durham at Edgbaston, including 390 runs in just one day of 427 balls with 62 fours and 10 sixes. To this day, the only quintuple hundred in first-class history. This also included a 314 run partnership with Trevor Penny and a 322 run unbroken partnership (laughs) with Keith Piper. As as Warwickshire made four declared for 810. Oh, wow. It wasn't without a bit of luck, though, I will say. Before Lara had even reached 20, he was bowled off a no ball and dropped by wicketkeeper Chris Scott, who said, With my luck, he'll go on to make 100.
1: (laughs) 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 yeah. Oh, how often do these things happen? They really do.
0: This week in sport history.
1: So just as we raced through the NBL last week, we we'll race through the AFL this weekend. Look, most of it went to script. I got seven out of nine in my tips.
0: My God, so did I.
1: <laughs> we had the same tips again. Yeah, okay. it, it was
0: one of those ones you looked at and went, yeah, pretty obvious who you're going to go for. And
1: the dogs and D's was a disappointment, wasn't it?
0: It was. It was a real fizzer. I think we were expecting a relatively high scoring match with both teams probably maybe a kick or two apart. But... Not great, mm. and unfortunately for me, I thought I was going to get through Saturday unscathed, and then the Eagles decided to just.
1: Oh yes. The fourth quarter. So yes.
0: Disappointing.
1: Should we just go there straight away? Yeah. Go on.
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now I must admit I didn't even watch because I wanted to just watch the smorgasbord of NBA that was on offer. I knew you would have the Eagles covered. So I'll leave it to you, mate. I mean, they do have some good news. They're holding on to their Willie. Willie Rioli is staying.
0: Yeah. Look, this is good news for Willie. And, and look, good news for the club as well. I mean, obviously, he's a premiership player and and a very, very quality player when he's on the field. Yes. But, look, this game is just so typical of the Eagles season right now in terms of, look, we'll start off with the injuries. It's a case of one step forward, two steps back.
1: So Yo came back.
0: And I'm dressed like a cat. (laughs) Elliot Yo finally comes back from... Nine months on the sidelines, and what happens? We lose two key players. So, you lose Tim Kelly in the first few minutes of the game to what looks like a potentially bad knee injury, and then Oscar Allen tries to take market a century and lands on his head and ends up with a concussion. So, yeah, now he
1: signed his big deal. Yeah.
0: Yes, <laughs> good timing, guys. And then Liam Ryan, the same, he's had two really good starts to the last two games, and then he's just disappeared for three quarters of it. So it's not been a particularly great restart from Ryan. Nick Danonew, he doesn't look fit. Bailey Williams and Jermaine Jones don't look like they're up to the AFL standard from week to week. It's... It's not a team that looks like their place in the eight is by any means guaranteed.
1: Well, I've got to be honest, I heard Wayne Kerry refer to their premiership chances last week. And I thought, oh, I don't know if they're a premiership team. They just don't win on the road enough. Well, if
0: we have premiership chances, it's called zero. Yeah, well, yeah. But no, look, I actually want to applaud the bombers. It, you know, it's always tough applauding a team that's just beaten your team, but the bombers were brilliant. They took advantage of the injuries, they ran with it. This was a 29-point lead to the Eagles late in the first half, and the Bombers' pressure just ratcheted up. They kicked two late ones in the first half that gave them a chance. But I think the thing that I loved about it was watching the young players for Essendon. So Archie Perkins looks like he's going to be a star. Nick Cox shows all the signs of being a dangerous forward. Darcy Parrish is in all Australian form. Oh, now. mid-time. Yeah, yeah. The list, mid-time. the list goes on. I mean, their forward line's firing. Anthony but Donald Tip and Woody has multiple goals in the last six games which is sensational. Cale Hooker and Jake Stringer, you know, they didn't look dangerous for the entire game, but, geez, they stepped up with they needed to be. Stringer was superb in that fourth quarter. So, look, this was a really great, possibly season-defining win for the Bombers, who a few weeks ago we all but written off.
1: And now they get to play again at Optus Stadium with Dreamtime at the P for Perth. It doesn't really <laughs> roll off the tongue quite as well, does it? <laughs> Next week playing Richmond, and hey, they've just won there. Very few teams do, so they'll, they'll fancy their chances against a beaten up Richmond team.
0: Yep, definitely. And look, fair play to Richmond. They had a, a great, very similar sort of win against Adelaide where they came back from a, a decent margin back and ran over the top due to ridiculous pressure. So and Jack
1: Riewoldt took a screamer of a mark, didn't he?
0: he? He did. I mean, I wish we had the time to discuss this in terms of the best marks ever, but look, it's in terms of the type of mark, it's a one-of-a-kind
1: the fact that he did kind of the spin, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah back yeah. with the pack and Scholled managed, there. managed yeah. to
0: get a kick off. So, yeah, it looked sensational.
1: So it was National Sorry Day recently here in Australia and we had great Indigenous rounds and great jersey designs in both the NBL and the AFL. And I actually think in the end, amidst the furor or the controversy with the Port Adelaide one, I think that was actually my favourite jersey in the end yeah. in the AFL. But there was a clash issue.
0: There wasn't. Well, wow, really. okay, this, a deemed, this, uh, perceived clash This issues. is something the AFL should be saying sorry for. This was a disgrace. So, set so Doug Nicholls' round, brilliant part of every season. Yep. But the Melbourne Demons were in their regular strip, and it was a little bit head-scratching first going, oh, hang on, where's their Indigenous jersey? The league decided that their jersey, which is mostly red with a little bit of dark blue, was a clash with the Western Bulldogs jersey, which is mostly a lighter blue with a red diagonal stripe on it. And this is the same league that decided that the Collingwood and Essendon Anzac jerseys, which were both almost entirely black with a small stripe down them, yeah. wasn't a it was okay. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. I reckon someone in the league's front office is high. <laughs> I just I don't understand this, and and you've got to remember, this has every bit the same sort of significance as the Anzac round.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, no, you're right. It, it, it's important, it is, it's very important and it's a great initiative and it's something that they should absolutely keep doing and hey, I'd be okay with a Indigenous round for the semifinals in the NBL, for example.
0: Yeah, I'd be fine with teams just deciding to wear it. Every now and then. On Yeah, yeah. in random rounds. It doesn't have to necessarily be a set round. If a team wants to wear an Indigenous jersey and it's part of their their kid bag, so yep. to speak, yeah. Why should they not be able to?
1: Yep, yeah, yeah. I just don't like it in the NBA where they're wearing alternate jerseys in Game One of Round One. Oh, what the fuck is going on there? And in the NBL, everyone looks like the Melbourne Tigers because they're red and yellow. <laughs> Wasn't just Perth. Now well, the Warriors ones look like the Melbourne Tigers too. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going off track. You are. So with our minds very focused on soon to be NBL playoffs, let alone NBA playoffs, we're glad that a big buy round is coming up in the AFL. <laughs> oh yeah. Six teams won't be playing next week, and as we say, there'll be some fixture dramas as well, and we'll. Look at that next week. Well, Shuey Illawarra had a very close win in the end. Perth had a shot to win it at the end with a three by Mooney, but it did not go in. So they are set. First playoff appearance for them since 2017. But the music's begun. What are you out for?
0: Well, I'm really, really out for Port Adelaide's buy this week. Um, (laughs) No, look, you can't go past Melbourne and Brisbane at T.O. in Darwin. D's top of the table. Brisbane, the hottest team in the league right now. In the NBA, probably Dallas and the Clippers. Keen to see how that all goes. Mm How about yourself?
1: Well, I'm looking forward to more obscure Paula Abdul 90s music video references for referring to yourself as a cat. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sportblokes.